Hi, it's Glenn McQueenie and welcome to my 25 minute success series call. We're actually gonna do something a little bit different today that I'm kind of excited about. Instead of having a guest on to talk about um, finding their niche market, I really wanna talk about this project that I've been working on and I'm gonna be kind of rolling it out next year. And it's called the three new ships for 2019. So the first shift is what we call the economic market shift, which is, and you know, I'm really basing a lot of this around a great book um, called Shift that was written by Gary Keller. It's called Shift the 12 Tactics. So I wanna kind of summarize um, some of those tactics and also kind of add just my thoughts to it. The second shift that we're looking at right now is what we call the technology shift. And that is, I think, probably the first time that many of us are ever really gonna feel the, the true effects of what technology can do to us and our role as realtors. I mean, I think you can all agree that um, technology has been helping us immensely um, in our real estate career. Um, from when I first started 30 years ago where we didn't have the PC to where the PC, the hardware came in, and then we had the software on top of it, and now we've got the cloud. And so the through all the different plug-in softwares and the way homes are searched and the way we can get our uh, prospects signed on uh, MLS prospect matches and the um, paperwork is all really digitized now and they can sign anywhere. I think you could probably argue it's made our job a lot quicker, um, simpler, um, and certainly faster. The new shift that's coming is gonna be what I think is called the, the fight for our industry, which is um, who's gonna be running it? Is it going to be a lot of the Wall Street tech firms that are investing, um, I think $13 billion this year on trying to kind of disintermediate the agent or is it gonna be the agents at the center of the, the transaction with a whole bunch of other resources around it? And so I'm kind of excited to talk to that, talk about that. And then the third one is the shift from, um, I guess, general intelligence um, or to more emotional intelligence. Uh, I've really been doing a lot of research on this lately and um, it's just fascinating to me because I always wonder um, why is it that some agents are really, really successful and other agents who I think are way smarter probably know the market better than um, most of the other agents um, struggle and it's because they have a lot more of the, I guess, IQ um, where, and very logic driven, where I think the game that you win this year um, is gonna be the emotional intelligence, which is really, you know, how can you um, empathize with other people? Can you place yourself in their shoes and really understand how they feel? Um, have, do you have an ability um, to cheer up or really calm down another person? when the other person, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in this, in a real estate transaction from the beginning to the end. So how do you react when something goes wrong? Like, do you have the ability to, um, when they get angry or upset about something to just calm them back down and get them out of high fear and panic and anxiety? And I really think that that is what I've noticed in my career, what separates, um, you know, top agents, who have growing amazing client bases to other agents who just seem to struggle so much. Um, it's uh, 
you know, I, I just find it fascinating. So I hope if you're listening to this today, um, you find it a little bit fascinating too. So we're going to be talking a lot more about that um, next year. So let's just get to um, today, which is, um, this is probably going to be part one of a three-part series. Um, so we'll probably put a podcast out every week now for the next three weeks. Uh, it's December 10th today. So this will be some, uh, while you're taking some time off and resting after all of your hard work this year, um, if you got some time and if you're interested, you can just always listen to these podcasts and see if it's um, something that you want to really align with and um, set yourself up for success for 2019. So, so I think, I guess the first point is we have these three shifts, you know, so let me just, uh, we have the economic shift of a shifted market because markets do shift, they go up and down. We have a technology shift and I'm going to call it the emotional intelligence shift. And the first part is just recognizing that there is a changing landscape of real estate. And um, the goal is really to put the right systems in place um, follow the right models so that you can achieve it in any market. Um, and with these three impending shifts, I think the ground's going to get a little shaky. Um, and not only for agents, but I think for our customers. And I think they're going to be kind of looking to you for guidance. Um, so what I do know to be true is in the short term, everyone um, in, a, in a downward shifted economic market feels it um, equally. Um, and your goal is to try to get real, get right as soon as possible. I mean, the whole argument is, you know, just play the hand with the cards you're dealt, not with the cards that you wish you had. And that was a great saying by a coach of mine, Dan Sullivan. And I just love that because whatever happens, it's, it's okay. It's just, it's a different hand you got dealt. We're just going to play the game slightly differently. So, so I really um, think moving into 2018, or 2019 rather, um, let's look at the band of real estate agents, like the whole width of it. We have some agents who are just a complaint, complete failure, just can't seem to get off the ground. And at the other spectrum, we've got um, agents who are a massive success. So the question today is most agents are in the middle. And how do you get out of being stuck uh, in the middle? Um, and first of all, as I said earlier, you've, you've got to get real and get right. Just understand things have changed. Um, know that in your market that um, when the real estate market shifts from a seller's market to a buyer's market is very dramatic. Um, from a buyer's market moving into a seller's, it's a long, long build. It actually might take three, four, seven, ten years. But when it shifts, um, it goes really, really um suddenly and that's just because real estate is a cyclical business and what goes up must come down shifts are never unexpected but they're rarely predictable and you kind of know when one is coming you just don't know when and you know it's funny um, each time a shift occurs we act surprised as if it's never happened before and then once the shift is over we go on to kind of act as if the shift will never happen again so let's look at the anatomy of a shift, okay? Um, shifts occur whenever supply and demand move out of balance. Um, when a seller supply exceeds buyer demand, it's a buyer's market. And when buyer demand exceeds seller supply, it's a seller's market. And a balanced market occurs during the transition between these two markets, but a balanced market rarely lasts very long. And so I guess my first question is, why do you think a shift to a buyer's market can cause so much pain? 
And I guess my answer to that would be because it's dramatic and it's really fast. And if we look at the U.S. market um, in 2005, 6, 7 to 8, you can actually see that it was very dramatic and it was very, very fast, you know. So let's define them, though, right? We have three types of market. A buyer's market is typically, you know, five to seven months of listing inventory. A transitional market is four to five and the seller's market is when you have usually under three months uh, inventory and in a seller's market there's just a high turnover of listings which means your listings sell really quickly and the whole key in that market is that proper pricing and marketing of the listing is what matters less because in a rising market you can almost be wrong on your price and the market will catch up to you you're also going to find that commissions will be challenged because if someone is listing their property and you sell it in two days and they're paying 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000 commission, a lot of people kind of get a little bit weird about that. And it was interesting last week or a week and a half ago, I was teaching in Montreal one day, the Newfoundland the next day. And the third day I was teaching in the Niagara Falls area in Canada. And I came right from the airport to the hotel and uh, checked in and went down to the bar to grab something to eat before going to my room and I was the only one in the bar and of course the bartender was chatty and she said oh you know if you stay at the hotel and I said no and she said what are you doing here and I said oh I'm just teaching tomorrow and, and she says oh Keller Williams is here tomorrow and I said oh yeah I'm just teaching a class called the business planning clinic and she goes oh she goes let me ask you something like right away that was our conversation she said you know I listed um, and sold my house a couple of weeks ago and we had to pay our agent $40,000 and the house sold in two days. And I just got to tell you, Glenn, um, that's exactly what I make in a year. Think about that. Like, it's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money that people are looking at when you're in a rising market. Like, you know, it, it sells quick. Um, they don't know the opposite of when we're in a slow market and when it takes forever. But all they really care about themselves and what happened to them, they don't really care about any other kind of context. So anyway, in a um, seller's market, you know, prospecting is a still a should do activity. You know, lead generation is marketing based and prospecting enhanced. So where you can market more, get the calls and then follow up prospecting. Um, buyer counseling becomes a lot more important in a um, seller's market because they're going to be losing on multiple offers. Um, sometimes the sellers think they can do it themselves, so they don't think they need us as much. Um, market data becomes less important. Um, and in that market, it's easier for you to increase your sales volume, but it's really hard for you to increase your market share. Now, if we look at the opposite, which is a buyer's market, we have a low turnover of listings. And property price and marketing listings really matter. Like it's all about getting the right price um, because if you don't price it at the market, you will be chasing the market. And I always think our job as agents is to sell the property before the seller hates you. And in my experience, uh, it's usually about three weeks you got until they really start hating you and questioning, do we have the right person here? So what you're going to find in a buyer's market is prospecting as a must-do activity. So your more of your lead generation is more prospecting based and then marketing enhanced. Um, you have a lot more time that you're going to spend counseling your sellers. Um, buyer urgency becomes an issue um, because if they start to see prices go down, they want to look more and wait longer. And I'll tell you, in this market, market data becomes very important. You just have to become 
a student of the market and you have to know the days on market. You don't have to know the listing inventory, where the average price is going, the percentage of asking that homes are selling for. Um, it's really, this is where we add the most value. Um, and in this market, it's harder for you to make volume gains because the overall volume drops about 20 or 40%. But if any deal you do, or if you can maintain your market share, then you actually, or maintain your volume, you actually gain market share, you know? So let's look at some of the seller's challenges in a shift, you know? Um, I think the seller has unrealistic expectations and values, the days on market um, or marketing. Uh, seller has a fear of selling at the wrong time. The seller is uh, afraid to disclose their motivation. The seller is possible unable or, un, or unable to sell because they don't have enough money to bring to closing, right? That's going to happen. The seller may want to refinance, not sell, and buy low. The seller may be unwilling to bring the property up to standards because they just don't have all the equity that they used to have. And they can also ask you to reduce your commission to help compensate them for the market shift, right? So let's go back to the buyer's market. When, what happens when we move to a buyer's market is the sellers go through what we call the five stages of grief, which is they go into denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And your job as an agent is to add as much value at this point. This is also where the emotional intelligence comes in. I think we add value to our customers when we actually provide leadership to them and say and provide that, you know, this is a kind of a complex situation, but I've done this before and I know how to do it. And so we're going to have to let them go through denial. I can't believe my house has um, dropped 50000 or or 100000 and they're angry about it. And then they're going to bargain with it. Well, I'm sure we can just wait and find someone who's going to overpay. But eventually they get to acceptance. And um, that's where we need to be. But I think in that market also, you really have to start looking at who do you want to work with? Do you want to work with a seller who is anyone who could sell their home or a seller-seller, which is to me someone who has to sell their home? And I would just tell you to focus on the latter. In a buyer's market, the opposite is you can price ahead of the market because the, um, I'm sorry, when you're trying to sell your property rather in a buyer's market, you have to price ahead of the market, which is the price, the best price you're going to get is today. And if we wait until next week, the price you're going to get is going to be much lower. Um, you have to be able to really stand out from the competition. You really have to probably stage your property to be what we call the best in class, you know, the best home on the market. Um, it's kind of like a dog show or a beauty contest, you know, when there's only one winner, where in a seller's market, you know, everything that gets listed will sell. So you really have to be best of class because in any um, neighborhood, sometimes only one property is going to sell that month and it's the one that's priced the best and it shows the best and is marketed the best, right? The other problem we have is with buyers in this shift, which is more of a fear of the future and a fear that, you know, property values will continue to go down. Um, they, that they might buy a home and lose their job if it's an economic shift. Um, they also believe that they have all the time in the world to look and to buy. So they're not as motivated as they are in a rising market. Um, I think buyers also believe, hey, I can make any offer they want and people will have to accept it, which we know isn't true. Um, and I think the biggest thing that most buyers don't understand is it's called a buyer's market for a reason. It really says that it is the best time to buy. 
And I'm not being cavalier when I say that, but I want you to ask yourself if you bought one property a year for the last 15 years, and let's just say you bought the worst property in your area and you bought 15 of them, are you going to be worse off or better off today? I think you're going to say you're going to be way better off because you've been able to pay them down over time. They appreciate. And if you actually look at in most markets, prices of homes double every 10 years. And the way you can call me on this or check it out is go onto your MLS sales and just do the tracking. And you're going to see that about every 10 years, properties double in value. So, you know, it's really a question for buyers in that market is if you're thinking about buying a home for a year or two and then moving out of the city, I think as a great consultant, you'd probably say, well, you know what, it's probably better to rent right now um, because, you know, we don't, the market seems a bit unstable. Um, whereas if they're going to be there for <clears throat> five, seven or 10 years, then of course, it's a great time to buy. You're, you've got record low interest rates right now. The amount of interest you're going to pay the bank is ridiculously low um, compared to the normal economic shifts we've had, which were usually triggered by inflation and high interest rates. So they might have bought at the bottom of the market, but let me tell you, a $200,000 mortgage at 15% is probably $2,600 a month. Whereas, you know, today's numbers between three and 4%, you know, you're at about 950 or a thousand bucks a month. I mean, it's almost, it's ridiculous how cheap it is um, right now to own. <clears throat> Plus you don't have to pay as much interest. So, um, because rates are lower, so you just get to the principal a lot, um, a lot quicker, you know? So, um, and then if we're in a transitional market, which is that middle market, you just have to shift really quickly with the market. Um, we found that nationally transitions are very slow, but locally transitions are very fast. And you really have to watch your local market stats for the direction and the speed of this shift. Um, and then I would tell you in, um, you know, in this niche environment is what you do is you start directing to all of your efforts to the part of the market that won't change, that won't be affected by the shift. You know, you pick a group right now that will benefit most from the shift and that's where you focus all your energies. And I would argue right now that it's a lot cheaper to move up in a down market than it is to move up in an up market in almost any city and anywhere um, that you study. And so it's a great time to actually make that move. And if you focus on the move up buyers, you're gonna probably do, do a lot better than if you're just gonna be staying with the first time buyers. And a lot better than if you're dealing with like a downsizing market because they'll usually tend to wait these things out because um, they don't have to do anything and they really only have one chance to maximize the value. So. And if you're coming out of a buyer's market, um, it's a, just a full core press in your listing and lead generation to grab market share. It's an opportunity to make major gains in market share and volume. Whereas if you're coming out of a seller's market where a lot of markets are now, you really have to ramp up your buyer prospecting and buyer lead conversion. Um, be sure to kind of focus on protecting what you have, which is um, your market share, your volume, and your, um, uh, your profit, I guess. Um, and also in this, there's always like markets move back and forth and it's called the theory of equilibrium. So whenever a market moves, there'll be a bunch of benef benefiters and there'll be a bunch of losers. Um, but what you have to do is whenever a market backs off, you become a market maker and you press on. 
you know, this is when you actually work harder because maintaining sales volume net income is actually a massive increase in business relative to the market. I remember when I started in 1989, so almost 30 years ago, the first year was a real booming market and then the Toronto market collapsed and we were in a down market for six years until prices stabilized. It probably took 10 years to get back to where we were. Um, so that would be probably about 2000. But it, the gift for me is I just didn't know any better and I just kind of kept working where I started seeing a lot of the top agents at the time and top companies uh, just go into denial about it. Um, and, you know, a lot of our trade industries, um, they really are a lot of times they're there to cheer up the public instead of really face the reality of that we're in a shift. So, you know, they kept on saying, oh, looks like it's going to turn around, turn around when it didn't. And all you can do is just play the game with the hand you're dealt like that's the bottom line. You just got to go play that game um, because that's one that matters the most to you is just play the game with the cards you're dealt with, you know. So there's a couple of forces that cause a shift, you know. Um, we have the seasonal cycle, you know, this is December when I'm recording this. So depending on what part of North America you're in, um, you're either going to be entering your busy period or you're going to be in your slow period, especially, you know, if you're in the northern part of North America, traditionally low time, low volume. Uh, and if you're in the southern states, you're going to, I think, get more high volume. Um, you also have to watch the economic trajectory. You know, what is the overall annual direction up or down of your local market? And how is that being affected by employment, cost of living, housing affordability, population growth, uh, uh, demographic trends, uh, layoffs, uh, new technologies, uh, mismatched job markets? You have to be watching these kind of numbers. And then what we're going to talk about in a few minutes is really about the second shift, which is really more about what we call the technology shift or we call it prop tech. And it's basically just the use of technology in the real estate industry to make transactions more efficient. Right. So if you can imagine um, in a down market, you just have to build a fortress around what you have. And as the market falls, your whole job is just to hold on to your numbers, is to keep your volume at the same because everyone else will be dropping 20, 40, 60%. If we look at the Toronto market, which has really been in an up market since 1996, so that's almost 22 years of an up market, over the last two years, we have seen a 40% reduction in sales volume. And remember, you always have to watch the volume because volume is the leading indicator of a shift up or down. In a down market, the volume has to kick up first in order to stop prices from falling. And then it stabilizes prices, but it doesn't, the volume goes way up, but the prices don't rise. But then eventually as the volume's increasing, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing those prices go back up. Well, it's the same thing in going from a seller's market to a buyer's market. At first, the volume drops. And no one really notices it. And prices certainly don't seem to go down that much. Um, but you'll really notice it that the further away you get from the core or the high volume areas, um, you'll start to notice that shift will just magnify and, um, and accelerate. And then when the next upshift comes, you explode because you've been able to maintain your share of the market. And because the market increases, you go up the same at the same level of that. So, so the issue is really not so much about the shift, but how long the lag continues before equilibrium is hit and the market goes back up um, 
by its own. So until that equilibrium hits, it's really all hands on deck. Um, and we got to ride this thing out. And it's not about just sitting back and being passive. It's like, let's go. Now we have to go because no one really knows how long it's going to be. So you just have to go and like get after it. And to be able to get after it, you have to have three kind of like abilities, right? I mean, first of all, you have to be able, you have to have the ability to master the skills, install key systems and have the right people um, in your business. You also have to be ready, which is about getting your mindset shifted, which is have the right people understand the situation, see and see the opportunity and also get the right coaching that's required because when a market shifts, it's, it's not the same old, same old, it's more different techniques. It's better, different strategies. And I have to tell you that the mindset that's required to do 25 deals is different than the one to do 50 deals or hundred deals. So it's about sharpening your saw. It's about getting the right coach and mentor, you know, and also it's about having a plan. What's your motivation? You know, what's your plan? You've got to kind of accept the risk of this market, take action, just go out there and do it and then um, stay the course. So the way we have to do that is you have to just become proactive. And because, the, you know, the moment your market flattens, you kind of have to take a defensive posture. And if it goes back up, it won't hurt you. It'll clearly help you. And if it continues to trend down, you'll already be in the middle of making the right moves. And this is really how you become more proactive instead of reactive, is you have to take the defensive posture, start cutting your expenses, playing red light, green light with your expenses, like red light, hold every expense to, to account. If it's not making you money, you have to cut it. Uh, green light is when you have an expense that's actually not really an expense. It's more of like an investment, which means it's giving you like a four to one or even an eight to one return. Um, so take a look at what are you doing in lead generation right now? What are you doing with Facebook targeted ads? What are you doing in your farm area? What are you doing in your niche markets? Like hold your money um, accountable. So remember that we also have three kind of, you know, non-economic um issues that really affect our market. One is the affordability, which is economic in a way, but it's really if prices get too, too far ahead of the median income or the average of everyone's income, there's just a fewer buyers that are able to actually buy. And when the buyers stop buying on the low end, then everyone else gets, you know, it's just like a, it like cascades up the whole home buying pyramid. The other thing is mortgage rates. You know, you have to watch what the central bank is going to do or the Fed's going to do. And like, what are they looking at right now? What's the conversation they're having? Because they have a huge impact on um, whether or not we get out of a market or not. And you'll see that at the in the peak sellers market, they'll start to tighten all the lending rules. And then when we get back into a buyer's market, they start to slowly loosen them. But they're always a lag. They're always like a couple of months or even a couple of years behind where they, they should be. And then the third thing really is um, what we call government policy or your board policy. Like what is your provincial or state or municipal government doing right now that's affecting real estate? Are they limiting supply of land? Are they putting more zoning rules in? Are they <clears throat> trying to tighten lending rules? Like what are they doing right now that will really kind of, you know, um, have a really major effect on you and you know we're the end of the the kind of food chain here like we really don't have a lot of power at the upper levels to really dictate how this market's going to go
So, um, so I think this is just a time, and I guess I just really wanted to talk about in episode one was here's the three shifts that are coming. Um, I'm going to get more into details in episode two about the technology shift. And I'm also going to give you a lot more tactics on how to deal in an economic shift. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you have any questions, feel free, feel free to email me at glenn at glennmcqueenie.com or g-l-e-n-n at g-l-e-n-n-m-c-q-u-e-e-n-i-e.com. Thanks for listening.